Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, here going solo through the October 19th, Thursday, Tuesday, NHL slate. Of course, it is only Tuesday. Um, so we have 11 games on the docket here. I do want to be mindful of that. Um, but as you can tell, I am going solo through this uh, through this episode. I, I think we are just, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're isolating DJ to just the, you know, the easy two and the of the five game slates. Uh, hopefully you guys have also been following his stuff over with the Mayo Media Network. Um, where I'm pretty sure he he gets uh you know Monday Wednesday Friday so he's had pretty uh pretty shallow slates over there too um, but once you know once you get to these big slates he he, he can't cut it so you know um, but no just just in, in full disclosure um, he he is out with a good reason um, and he will be back for the Thursday show um, and of course if you are new here. Um, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but just like to make sure everyone's aware, our plan is to record episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's really just, there's there's not that much to talk about, you know, for Mondays, Wednesdays, uh, Fridays for the most part, um, unless there's like these monster contests. It's pretty easy to digest everything in one go of it. Um, you know, when there's four games, there's only so many lines. You got to... Uh, keep track of so it's really it's something that i don't think is all that important as far as doing a podcast for and frankly you know we just got to uh we got to pick our battles you know Uh, there's only so much time only so many hours i can spend asking my computer to nicely edit the podcast audio so anyway that is why we tend to do the thursdays and uh tuesdays just because those are much larger slates and um that it's a lot more interesting to talk about from a DFS perspective um, for me personally. Now, on that note, I did ask in the Morning Skate Discord, uh, by the way, if you are not in our Discord, uh, do join. Go to our Twitter, at Morning Skate Pod. Give us a follow and then give us a DM uh, that you want in the Discord and we'll get you the link. We'll get you all set up. Um, a lot of good people in there. But anyway, I asked a poll. Do you prefer... In your personal usage of the Morning Skate podcast, simple question, uh, game-by-game analysis or position-by-position analysis? The overwhelming response was to game-by-game. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's a lie. Um, so, you know, I, I realize I'm saying that as I am taking a long, winding prelude to this episode. Um, but I did just want to point out that, you know, uh, I am listening. We are always gathering feedback uh, last year it was much easier because we would you know we would do our dfs show and then we'd head over to the mayo show where it was game by game talking about bets and dfs um but you know i, I i'm a dfs guy so i said you know dj you guys you know you guys can handle it they got some other uh, good people over there handling the betting side so i can sit here and go game by game through the dfs side of it because that's what the people want um so without any further ado Let's get on into this Tuesday slate. Um, so first, the games, Vancouver at Buffalo. We have San Jose at Montreal, Florida at Tampa, Seattle at New Jersey, Dallas at Pittsburgh, Colorado at Washington, Columbus at Detroit, Islanders at Chicago, LA at Nashville, Winnipeg at Minnesota, and Anaheim at Edmonton. Uh, yeah, so 11 games there. 
We have two teams playing on a back-to-back, that being Seattle uh, playing in New Jersey after just being smoked by Philly on Monday night, and then Anaheim heading to Edmonton after playing the Flames on Monday night. I'm not sure how that game went, but obviously stay tuned because there could be things that happen in that game that are relevant. Though, um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but Anaheim, probably not the most DFS-relevant team on a slate of 22 teams. So, you know, uh, keep an eye on it, but there shouldn't be too much. One interesting thing uh, for you, for you East Coasters like myself, or just for people in general, um, the slate is over. Nine o'clock is the last puck drop, and there's actually only one game at nine o'clock. Um, so it's a very early leaning slate. Means you don't really have to sweat out some of these late uh, late games. So, um, you know, no staying up till 1.30 trying to watch the end of a Kings, you know, Sharks game or whatever, sweating out your DFS teams. Uh, you should be on the East Coast, you know, in bed by midnight, which is always a good thing. So let's uh, so quickly before we go game by game, kind of through some of the plays, just setting the stage from a Vegas money line uh, perspective, so to speak. Um, there is exactly at the moment, there is exactly zero games with a six and a half over under. Uh, obviously, this could change come Tuesday morning. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty interesting in that regard. Uh, Florida, Tampa Bay, the closest. The over is favored there. The over is also favored on six in Colorado at Washington. So those two teams, you know, those two games, I should say, are very much of interest. Um, the largest favorites on the slate include Montreal, minus 150. Um, we have a giant favorite, obviously, in Edmonton. But then there's at minus 260. And then there's sort of a bunch of teams there in the middle. Uh, Montreal. Minnesota and Vancouver, all that are around minus 150. Um, yeah, I mean, basically every other game besides that is a pick em. So it's a pretty fair slate. Um, I would expect Edmonton to be pretty overwhelming as far as ownership goes. Um, but yeah, obviously we will go in chronological order, but do keep that in mind as we are talking about the slate that the McDavid Dreisaitl um, effect is certainly in play. On this slate, you know, even with 11 teams, I would not expect them to be a quote unquote, you know, a low owned. They're going to be very high owned despite there being so many options. Um, Lastly, a couple of larger picture slate notes. Uh, Nathan McKinnon likely to return. Um, Tested positive for COVID, missed the opening night. He actually tested positive again yesterday, but now on Monday, he uh, test the negative and reports have him on his way to Washington in hopes of getting the second test and being cleared to play. That means we probably won't even see a morning skate uh, with McKinnon in the lineup. So just keep that in mind. I'll talk about what I think is going to happen there, uh, but I'm expecting McKinnon to play and for things to be you know, relatively standard for uh, Colorado. But yeah, so there's one note. Um, otherwise, still no Sid. He seems close. He, he's not quite back yet. Um, so, and then the final note is the uh, loss of both. Well, I should say the Kucherov absence for Tampa, um, you know, that will throw a lot of things out of whack on the Tampa side. And I don't think pricing has adjusted to match it. Um, and then kind of secondly, uh, Blake Wheeler, he could pull a McKinnon and be cleared, but that seems super unlikely. Um, so Blake Wheeler, COVID protocol will miss this game. 
we're kind of left to guess on Winnipeg, but some value could open up there. Um, and then as far as other absences go, Gabe Landeskog suspension, uh, Brian Rust out long term, and a couple guys returning and Brock Besser and Mike Hoffman. So, hey, uh, ended up with some good news, right? Um, and then obviously there's some other minor things that I'll touch on, but really those are the guys who I think are, you know, uh, quote unquote relevant to the slate. Um, so let's get things going. Vancouver at Buffalo. We saw power play units earlier. Vancouver does not seem to be using Quinn Hughes on their top power play. Um, don't really know what the situation is there. Um, Hunt played on the top unit. I actually need to look up if that's Brad Hunt or not, because I lazily thought it was Brad Hunt in the preseason. Uh, yeah, no, that's Brad Hunt for Vancouver. So that is um, good news, I would say. It, it seems like Hunt was in uh, Hughes's place. So if Hughes, you know, some for some reason were to miss this game, Brad Hunt is you know, in play. Um, but Ekman Larson was actually with the top unit and, you know, the, the beats are sort of all over OEL saying he's had a great start to the season. I'm not really here to tell you whether or not he's had a good two games. Um, frankly, I haven't looked at it. Don't really care. Um, but that is pretty relevant because, you know, Quinn Hughes without the top power play job, probably not in play. Um, I know it's against Buffalo, but Yeesh. Uh, I, I don't think I could do that without the obvious power play one correlation there. Uh, otherwise, as far as lines go, we have Hoaglander, Pedersen, Brock Besser uh, making his return to the lineup. We have Pearson, Horvat, Garland. Uh, they've been pretty consistent. And then we have Miller and Pod Colson. Um, it, it's interesting. I don't know if you need to go there, but if you're on team, you know, like uh, stack the crap out of teams against Buffalo, then I think that's a perfectly fine third line to throw into your mix. Um, but I'm trying to not play, you know, uh, secondary pieces as much as I can, except for in certain spots, which we'll talk about. And um, then on the Buffalo side, Tage Thompson and Victor Olofsson are just so cheap for the role they play for this team. Um, you could argue Darlene to 4,500, but I don't really think there's as much DFS upside there. Uh, Olofsson coming in at 4,100 and Tage coming in at 4,100. Like these two guys are playing 20 minutes a night, power play one. They're correlated at five on five and the power play. Um, so, you know, I think they're very much in play in any format. Um, but right off the start, I think they'll be low owned. So I can see it. Uh, Buffalo looked really good. And more importantly, I think for DFS, they, they don't look like the team of years past where it's just kind of been a tire fire. Um, you saw it last year, but they are really playing with a lot of creativity. And that creates offense uh, both ways. So, They'll give up chances. They'll create chances of their own. They're not really trying to win a one nothing hockey game like they did under Kruger. So um, I think that I like that from the perspective of both Vancouver and Buffalo. Just that Vancouver seems a little bit pricey on this slate for my needs. So uh, let's keep going. San Jose at Montreal. I feel like I have to say this every show now, but I'm just going to set aside the Evander Kane nonsense. Um, you know, I, I don't really feel any need to address that, but he's now been suspended for 21 games. So there's no chance he returns anytime soon and probably will just get his contract terminated or something to that respect by the Sharks. Um, so starting on the San Jose side of things, uh, Kevin, or Jesus, Kevin LeBanc and Nick Benino both seeing pretty sizable roles for the squad. Um, Benino on the top power play with Couture and Burns and that line. 
Uh, he's 3K. LeBanc is 3.9. I think they're both perfectly in play. Um, I obviously like Brent Burns. You know, he's fairly priced up at 6,100, but I think that's immensely affordable on the slate. And, you know, uh, he's just been awesome <laughs> uh, to start the season. Uh, 21 points in his opening night against Winnipeg in 27 minutes. Uh, doing exactly what you want to see from him. If you want to get really creative, uh, Timo, uh, he's priced up at two. You know, he's 6,600. He had 12 shot attempts. Um, so, you know, those two guys aren't necessarily values, but um, they're pretty high high level uh, plays, you know, and they correlate very positively. And then if you want to get real, real creative, uh, Eric Carlson with San Jose 2 is the second power play unit that actually scored two power play goals against Winnipeg. So, you know, maybe there's something there. I obviously like the Sharks just as players. You know, I think they're really talented. They just haven't put it together for two seasons now. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But I think at their prices, the second line is uh, very attractive. Uh, Ackland is sub 3K. You know, the hurdles priced up. But again, you know, Ackland's so cheap. Uh, Eric Carlson's only 4,200. So in aggregate, they make up a, a pretty affordable stack. On the Montreal side, they're going into full chaos mode already. Uh, we do love to see that for DFS. So let's piece it back together. Uh, one, Mike Hoffman returns to the lineup, you know, or I guess makes his team debut for Montreal. He goes right onto the top power play in place of Cole Caulfield, uh, in place of Nick Suzuki. So now their top, top unit looks like Petrie, of course, um, with Hoffman, Druin, Dvorak, and then I have Petrie written here because I'm an idiot. Um, Christ, who would that be? Oh, Toffoli. Uh, of course, that's Toffoli. So um, that right there basically sounds to me like Druen is looking to set up either Petrie or Hoffman for shots. Um, Nick Suzuki was kind of trying to do the same with Caulfield and Petrie. So I really like uh, Druen on this slate, 3,700. Mike Hoffman is 4K. Um, you know, if you are looking to attack San Jose, this is a spot to do it. You could go with the second unit. You know, Caulfield's been priced down to 5,400. Gallagher's still really low at 4,200. So I could see both of those guys being in play along with Chris Weidman um, at minimum salary. Just make sure Weidman plays. There was some uh, skepticism that, you know, he might sit out this game, though he practiced with the second minute. So I, I don't think there's much there, but 11 games, don't let this slip by you in case he's a scratch because he very well could be. All right. Florida at Tampa, probably the cream of the crop as far as this slate is concerned. Um, on the Florida side, uh, Sam Bennett's free. <laughs> he's 4,500. He's obnoxiously cheap. Um, it's going to be really tough for me to build any sort of lineup without him in it just because of the upside it generates at um, the price that he has. So, you know, it, that's just the first note in this game. Probably clouds everything else. Other than that, though, you know, Barkov is 7,600. Uh, Verhege's been priced up to 6,400. Um, you know, Ekblad is 6,700. You just can't do it. You know, you can do it, but you really just shouldn't. Um, so Sam Bennett is going to be, you know, really popular. That also means, though, that Jonathan Huberto at 5,500 will probably be relatively popular as well. Uh, old friend of the show, Owen Tippett, playing on that line at 2,700. 
you know, they're an attractive line stack, though just keep in mind that Owen Tippett probably won't play more than 12 minutes in this game. Um, you know, it's just what they do. They, they definitely sh- shorten the bench a little bit in certain situations. Uh, speaking of which, Sam Reinhart seems like he's going to start the game on the fourth line. Uh, this is exactly what I was afraid of preseason, you know, why I wasn't trying to go all in on him in season long or anything like that, because frankly, you just didn't know when the days would be that, you know, he was in a good spot. And this seems like one of those times where he's going to play on the fourth line. He's going to get power play one work. So, you know, if he scores, he could just switch with Duclair again and go to the top line. We don't know, but I'm not playing it. I, I can't do that on an 11 game slate. Um, on the Tampa side, I mentioned Nikita Kucherov. Sounds like he suffered a long-term injury. Uh, we, we we hate to see that, obviously. Though, from our perspective, Andre Palat is now, uh, let's call him a bubble Palat. <laughs> uh, because last year, or I guess two years ago now, in the bubble, Palat was an absolute monster. Um, he's at 4,800 now. And again, no Kucherov. That's the way it was you know, for s- certain stretches in the bubble. So Palat is going to be on the top power play. The puck's going to go through Andre Palat. He's, yes, he's going to be trying to feed, you know, Stamkos like Kucherov was. Um, but this guy at 4,800 is really, really talented. I think he's a fantastic play. Um, it gets you great exposure to this Tampa offense in a six and a half uh, over under game. So at five on five, Kucherov is replaced by Corey Perry. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Perry's very much in play because he's only 2,600. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get his nose dirty around the net. Um, but you know, second power play work, he's not a must play if you play Palat, but he's certainly a good value option if you just need some cap relief uh, to go with Palat. So I uh, keep those two guys in mind because they will be power or uh, even strength correlated. And then Palat gets just a huge boost to his overall projection based on the power play promotion. Otherwise, I don't really have much interest in Tampa. Like Braden Point at 7200 with no Kucherov is definitely pretty thin. Uh, Stamkos is 7K now, you know, after that smash night, definitely pretty thin. And then Victor Hedman at 6,800 just isn't a guy that I tend to chase. So um, I feel very comfortable one-offing Andre Palat if necessary. Um, All right, next game, Seattle at New Jersey. Seattle just got their clocks cleaned. So these lines could entirely change, but just note that uh, McCann was actually no longer the top line center. It was Wenberg. Eberly Schwartz, um, Wenberg also on the top power play in place of Ryan Donato. Uh, we didn't really expect that. So, you know, keep keep an eye on morning skate because, or sorry, keep an, game, an eye on pre-game skate because there will be no morning skate to get confirmation on these lines. Um, and then on the New Jersey side, <laughs> Jack Hughes had uh, a whale of an overtime goal. Unfortunately, he's been very priced up. Um, along with Nico Heischer, both of those guys are in the six to seven K range. I just, I don't think you can do it. Dougie at seven K burns a 6.1. There, there's really no reason to, uh, there's just no reason to play Dougie. I think um, in, you know, any sort of like one-off or whatever. And I don't see a ton of value that I'm interested in on the New Jersey side. I had some hopes for uh, Tomas Tatar at 3,700, but looking at the most recent game, it seems like he uh, is definitely taking a backseat in terms of usage and just general time on ice. So maybe he gets a promotion later on, but uh, for now, I'm passing entirely on to Tar. All right, Dallas at Pittsburgh. Dallas has weirdly low prices, 
I don't know how <laughs> how to explain. Um, you know, Gurianov being the most expensive wing here. Uh, Radulov, Jamie Ben, Joe Pavelski are 4.6, 4.4, and 4.3. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's not the best matchup, but it's also not a bad matchup. Um, you know, like Tyler Sagan is still 6,400, and he's the guy who played 24 minutes last game. But, you know, Joe Pavelski, 4,300, like he's going to shoot. Um, Alex Radulov has looked shot out of a cannon. Uh, at least when I've turned on the stars games, like he's been the most noticeable player. Um, so, you know, I do like these guys. I don't know if I can get there in just a couple lineups, but the, the value certainly is there on them um, to, you know, take advantage of, especially because you're likely going to get a lot of these guys crossing correlations um, that there's not, you know, it's Sagan playing a bunch of minutes with a bunch of guys and these four, honestly, Gurionov included, are kind of those guys who, you know, could step up and grab a couple points here. And at that price, that's super good. On the Pittsburgh side, as I mentioned, Sidney Crosby not quite yet ready. Uh, That leaves Evan Rodriguez on the top unit. Um, Rodriguez has 11 shots in three games so far, playing about 15, 16 minutes a night, and also is on the top power play of his line mate, Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen is pretty cheap. 4,700. So those two guys make a nice little value stack um, without breaking the bank. So I I do like Evan Rodriguez a lot here. Okay. Um, I guess I should talk about Brian Russ being out because uh, that means that Danton Heinen remains on the top line. Jake Gensel kind of replaces him. Gensel is just $7,600 though. So, you know, uh, not happening. Jeff Carter potentially at 61, but I don't think that makes any sense personally. All right. Colorado, Washington, the other sort of high tempo game projected by Vegas. Uh, I mentioned McKinnon being back. I am fully expecting the lineup to look like McKinnon, Burakovsky, Miko Rantanen, uh, now that Landeskog has been suspended for two games. And then the power play, I would expect Nazem Kadri to join them along with Kel McCarr, though that honestly could be Tyson Jost. Um, Tyson Joe scored a couple, I think, of net front goals in their furious comeback against St. Louis. Uh, maybe Joe's had one of the ones that got waved off. Um, but JT Comfort sort of was directly replacing McKinnon on that power play unit. So I'm guessing he gets dropped and then Tyson Jost could stay. So maybe we get some news on that because Tyson Jost is 2,700, uh, played 21 minutes in that game. Obviously, with McKinnon back, you know, things shift dramatically. Um, but you know, with no Landeskog, someone probably gets minutes somewhere. Um, my guess is Kadri sort of remains in. He's six K though, so uh, just keep an eye, see if we get any news or anything of that sort. I am skeptical that we will, because again, I don't think McKinnon will be able to practice uh, in morning skate given the COVID situation. But that's why I think the situation holds there. In Washington, uh, Ovechkin just keeps on Ovechkining. This slate, unfortunately, he's not criminally underpriced. Um, You know, after putting up 38 points, he went from 7.2 to 6.4. And then everyone and their mother played him and he had eight shots on goal. He scored. uh, And, you know, 23 and a half points later, he now gets the price bump back up to 8K. So, you know, I do like Ovi. Not sure where he fits quite yet on my overall slate rankings. Other Value note in Washington, uh, Connor McMichael looks to replace Hendricks LaPierre. 
Uh, McMichael is their top prospect, I think by a mile. Like he, he profiles awesome. He has, you know, amazing shot rates in juniors, uh, AHL too. He seems to be coming in to LaPierre's line, which would mean he's playing with TJ Oshie at five on five. And then he also gets some power play to work. Uh, we'll see maybe someone like Daniel Sprong, you know, goes there instead. It's a pretty thin play, but I think if you're playing, you know, like five, you know, caps, you're playing like Ovi, Carlson, Oshi, like McMichael makes a lot of sense because one, he's a, you know, he's a value center 2.5, um, but he's also just a really good player as well. So, you know, you're kind of not betting just on exposure, but you're actually betting on talent, which is something that I like to do in my correlations. Okay. There's a lot. Um, game by game, not fun, but we we sludge on because I did the research, so I will talk about it. Columbus and Detroit. Max Domi is out, uh, fractured ribs. He will uh, miss at least a couple weeks in his place. Uh, Chinakov, um, believe he is a rookie in a recent draft from them, but he looks very strong as a shots guy. Um, no promises on his role. You know, Max Domi was like the epitome of a guy who would go from 20 minutes one night to, you know, 12 minutes the next. Um, but, you know, keep an eye on Chinakov because he should be a, a real good player. Uh, he was awesome in the preseason, played five games, averaged almost 10 shots per 60 there. Um, you know, prorate that out to 20 minutes if he plays 18, 20 minutes, which is unlikely, but possible given, you know, who he's replacing. Um, that's, you know, three to four shots on average. So I certainly do uh, like that approach. Otherwise, the rest, you know, the balance of these dudes in, in Columbus are just so expensive. Um, Orinsky's 63, Bjorkstrand 67, Line A 58. They're not values anymore. Um, so I think I'm just going to other places. Boone Jenner has remained, you know, priced down at 3,500. I might get suckered back into it, but it's you know, it's kind of like McDavid and Bennett are kind of like the two obvious centers. So are you really going to use a util? I don't know. But Boone Jenner's still cheap. He's still on that line of line eight and Voracek, and he's still top power play. So um, I like him as a floor play. I like him as an upside play and at a real nice value. Um, but he's probably third or maybe fourth, like on my pecking order in terms of centers that I want to play in like, you know, uh, low cash game, you know, low variance type formats. On the Detroit side, really, you know, kind of same situation. The main dudes are really priced up, Bertuzzi and Larkin, uh, 65 and 6,700 respectively. But for some reason, uh, Lucas Raymond is only 2,700. Like, yeah, he only has one shot in the two games so far this year, but he's playing on that top line and he's also playing on the top power play. And he's a guy who's being featured on that top power play. Like they want to get the puck on his stick to shoot. Um, you know, he obviously just got usurped by Bertuzzi in Bertuzzi's four goal game. And, you know, against Vancouver, not quite sure what happened, but he stayed on that line the whole game. So I really like him just as a, as a prospect, but 2,700 is honestly stupid cheap. So I, I could see myself playing him, you know, instead of like a, Boone Jenner or something like that, if you need to just jam in the studs. Um, so let's go forward. Islanders, Chicago, Lee, Barzell, Palmieri, line one, power play one. That's really my only interest spot in this game. Noah Dobson, maybe. 
um, Bavillier correlating with the power play, maybe. Um, and then obviously Bavillier, Nelson, Bailey. We know the drill with them. It's just that seems like they got the, I don't know, uh, Josh Bailey for 4,300 against Chicago seems okay. But am I really going to play Josh Bailey on an 11-game slate? <sighs> I just I just don't think so. And then Nelson got a bump to 5,600. So really, for me, it's the top line. It's Bavillier, and then it's Dobson, and then it's moving on. And then noteworthy on the Chicago side of things, to bring it not on the top uh, top line anymore. It's Hagel, Doc, Kane. Uh, that's up to you, loyal listener, to figure out how long that lasts. Uh, the over-under is currently set on five minutes into the first period. They just go back to it because why would you play the Brinkett separate from Kane at this point? Because that's the only positive thing you've got going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of kind of the drill right there. Uh, noteworthy also with Kirby Doc is that Tyler Johnson and Taze are still the centers on the power play. So, you know, if you're playing Kirby Doc, you're, yes, you're getting Patrick Kane exposure, but you're not really guaranteeing the Brinkett exposure and you're not getting the, the power play. And you're, <laughs> and you're facing the freaking New York Islanders. So, you know, for me, that's an easy fade, but you might see Kirby Doc project pretty well because, you know, he is a good player. He has goals in back to back games. He's, you know, hitting 18, 20 minutes. Like he's, He's great, but I just don't know if he's like a DFS play uh, in this matchup with all the other options we have. Okay, three more games, and then I promise I'll let you guys go. LA, Nashville. I mean, what, what is it really to talk about here? It's LA and Nashville. You're probably not playing them in DFS. If you are, you are going to their highly concentrated top lines. I know it's not a surprise for LA, um, but they're rolling out Arvidsson, Kopitar, and Brown. Power play, five on five, you know, super well correlated. No problems there, except for the fact that you're really paying for the, you know, the ability to be contrarian because Kopitar is 7,500, uh, while Arvidsson and Brown are both around 5K. So certainly not like the sneakiest of values, but certainly a lot of upside there uh, baked in to those three. Similarly for Nashville, you have Duchesne, super cheap, 3,600, playing with Johansson, 5K, and Forsberg, 7,400. Um I think I'll just skip them myself, but especially on the Nashville side, when you can correlate in Yossi for a four-man stack, could be the the highest scoring stack on the slate, but I don't know if that happens enough times for me to really be excited about playing. Okay, Uh, one more before we get to the last game. Winnipeg at Minnesota. As we mentioned, Wheeler is probably out for this one, Um, COVID and all that. Sounds like Andrew Kopp gets to bump to the top line alongside Connor and Shifley. However, we do not know who replaces Wheeler on the top power play. Now, you know, the everything in my brain wants to say, oh, this is Nick Ellers, Nick Ellers, Nick Ellers. And maybe that's right, but frankly, we just don't know. Uh, and I'm really hoping we get some clarity on that situation because, you know, Minnesota's at home. Um, it's pretty expected that they're going to be putting Joel Erickson X, Zuccarello, and Kaprizov on the Winnipeg top line in Mark Shifley. So if we do get confirmation that Ellers is playing, you know, a power play one, then I think he's he vaults up the list as far as you know priority spends go at 5,300. Just a very fair price and uh, pretty interested. So keep an eye out on that news. Andrew Kopp himself also does come in kind of cheap, uh, as do all the defensemen here. So Neil Pionk at 4,400 is also pretty interesting, but then we get to like a guy like Spurgeon, 3,800, uh, Dumba at 4,400. 
Dumba's been putting up some monster four stats uh, so far this year. So, you know, he's hit the blocks bonus in both games. You know, he's getting involved offensively. He has eight shots in, in those two games. So, um, you know, Dumba at 4,400, Spurgeon at 3,800. Both of those guys make for fine values. And then um, just capping off this game, the top line of Eric Sinek, uh, 3,900. Kaprizov, 6,200. And Zuccarello, 4,700, comes in a lot cheaper than you would expect. Um, if people are buying in that bank, or that Winnipeg's like this good defensive team, now that they've added in, uh, let me just check my notes here, uh, Nate Schmidt, who couldn't cut it in Vancouver, and uh, Brendan Dillon, like, then yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Winnipeg is fixed. Um, I myself don't really buy it. Um, you know, if you guys listen to the season preview, I asked what happens if Hellebuck isn't the best goalie in the world. And well, we saw that <laughs> um, he put up an 818 and an 871 in his first two starts of the year. And guess what? They lost to Anaheim and San Jose. Not great, Bob. Uh, so I think that Minnesota, you know, I'm keeping an eye on the ownership here because I kind of have a suspicion that Minnesota could get up there. You know, it's the second highest owned stack on the slate just because Kaprizov is so affordable. Eric Sinek is so affordable in the defense also going with them are so cheap. But if we get them outside of, say, like the top four in terms of projected stack ownership, I think that Minnesota is a really, really good over uh, just because the public perception could still maybe be there that, you know, Winnipeg's this uh, revamped defense. So uh, that, that's sort of like my biggest GPP thought at the moment. Um, but, you know, definitely want to keep an eye on ownership as it gets released on Tuesday. Lastly, Anaheim, you know, just keep an eye on the game. I don't know what's going to happen. I think most of these guys are fine. Like, especially if you're talking like, you know, high end players like Zegers for sub 5k, he could always break a slate. Edmonton's not scary per se. Um, but I just think there's so many other options that I'm not really feeling overly confident taking teams on back to backs. Nothing else really stands out here. So on the Edmonton side, I mean, there's not even that much to say because it's just, McDavid, 9,200. Dreisaitl, 8,300. Pulley 5,700. Yeah, they're pretty likely to be the highest scoring stack on the slate. Um, you know, my ballpark is probably like 20% of the time. Like the, those three combined total more than the, you know, the, the three best scores of any, you know, individual line stack that you would play. Um, but the thing is you're paying for it. So you know, there's always that question of like, where can I get the lower owned value plays that aren't going to make me play a 2v2 plus a goalie you know, for, for whatever, 20K on the slate. Um, if, you know, if everything hits, if my, if my Edmonton stack hits, if my highly owned you know, value plays hit, then yeah, I'm playing a 2v2 against the 150 other people who had the same exact idea as me. And I just don't really want to do that. Um, so I think that means for me that this slate sets up pretty well for just an all out, you know, Edmonton fade, um, you know, the narrative of the back to back also, you know, won't hurt, uh, still Lars is likely to get the start over Gibson. So there's going to be a lot of things that go in Edmonton's favor that people will probably just wind up saying, yeah, there's, you know, there's a McKinnon, but he's been out. Yeah. There's an Ovechkin, but he, oh, he smashed the last two nights. Like, you know, it's like, and also there's just tons of other games you can play in the mid tier that you could almost sort of avoid these like high owned values altogether. Um, so that's really where I'm leaning. 
but I don't necessarily think that's like the only way to go. Um, you know, like Edmonton is far and away the best play and you can make the value work around them, uh, but just be mindful in how you do so. I guess that's really all I can say there. Um, you know, if, like if you're expecting Edmonton, Minnesota, for instance, to be like the way to fit that in, I, I think you're, I think you're unlikely for that to be the, uh, you know, quote unquote unique. Um, but we'll see, you know, I, I can't get out a magic ball without seeing any content, without seeing anything else and tell you, you know, what ownership's going to be here or there. Um, but that's just a sense I get from looking at this slate at first. So I believe that will do it for me. Um, Again, I hope you guys are getting in our Discord. Uh, you know, DM us at Morningscape Pod on Twitter if you want to get in there. Um, but we've been, uh, you know, we've been uh, putting a lot of good stuff out there, not just DFS wise. I know DJ has been focusing more on the sports betting stuff than I am, but he's also posting, uh, for instance, like underdog uh, props. Uh, underdog has been posting player props, so be sure to sign up over there using promo code MSP. Uh, the link will be in the description of this podcast. Um, but, you know, kind of the, the the relevant information there is that we're not just talking DFS. Uh, we actually had a bunch of sports bets that, uh, sorry, player props on DK Sportsbook that we were uh, interested in firing in. Looks like Giroux got there. Kachuk was on pace to get there. I haven't actually checked in on those games in a little bit. Um, and then Perron all those guys were plus money to go over two and a half. So I certainly did really enjoy um, getting that value. Um, anyway, I don't need to do that live, but uh, just make sure you get in our discord because it's, it's a good time. A lot of good people. And that's honestly where I'm the most active. Um, you know, there's only so many people I can talk to and why not, why not share it with my friends in the discord? So um, yeah, that's that. So let's get on out of here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that 11 game breakdown. Um, if you guys want to uh, say like redo your vote for, you know, whether we go position by position or game by game or something else, feel free to do so. But hey, you guys want game by game? You got it. So from Doug, from DJ, from myself, have a good slate, everybody. And we will see you.